0: Before I start episode 59 of the Financial Crime Weekly podcast, just the usual note of thanks to Sora Shimazaki of Pexels, who took the photograph, which adorns the cover art. Let's crack on. to episode 59 of the Financial Crime Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Kirkbride. It's been another quiet week this week, which, as far as I'm concerned, is a good thing. A few bits on sanctions, fraud and money laundering, plus the usual roundup of interesting cyber attack news making the headlines this week. Let's crack on. As usual, you can find the links to the stories which I flag in the podcast in the description to it. Now let's start with Sanctions. This time it's news from the g7 which is happening in japan the leaders have been attempting to make further moves on sanctions against russia with the uk committing to a ban on russian diamond imports to the uk as well as imports of russian origin copper aluminium and nickel the russian diamond trade has already been sanctioned by the european union and the united states as we reported in episodes 2 and 42 of the Financial Crime Weekly podcast, so the UK does seem a little bit late to the game on that one. Still, any progress is to be welcomed. In addition to future sanctions, the UK has been busy issuing new sanctions and updating existing sanctions first. It has announced sanctions against 86 individuals and entities who've targeted Ukrainian grain by theft. The same announcement also targeted advanced military technology and companies involved in the shipment of Russian energy and companies connected with Rosatom. Secondly, the Office of Financial Sanctions Implementation has amended three entries to the consolidated list, amended two entries under the Syria and Russia financial sanctions regimes and corrected one entry under the global anti-corruption regime. The final bit of sanctions news from the UK this week Is the announcement by the Foreign and Commonwealth and Development Office, which has updated information on the provision of food services under the Russian sanctions guidance. Links to all those documents can be found in the podcast description. To the US for the final piece of sanctions news this week, where the Department of the Treasury Office of Foreign Assets Control has designated Mikhail Matviv for his
1: role in launching cyber attacks against US law enforcement Awards programme. Link to the press releases in the podcast description. I've also linked flagging this week comes from the UK and a report from which the Consumer Rights Organisation The Securities and Exchange Commission has been active in its desire to combat fraud via social media. This story from which comes hot on the heels of what we reported in last week's Financial Crime Weekly podcast Around 75% of that online fraud coming from social media platforms. A couple of stories just
0: to keep things nicely ticking over. First, in the US, a former military employee has been arrested in a case of alleged bribery and kickbacks concerning the awarding of defense contracts. According to the US Department of Justice press release, Young Byom Kim, a native of the Republic of Korea and a United States citizen, was arrested on charges of honest services, wire fraud, bribery and anti-money laundering. It's alleged that Kim, while acting in his capacity as chief of the Design branch at Army Garrison Yongsan Casey in Korea schemed to enrich himself through bribes and kickbacks from various manufacturers and suppliers of parts used in US Army contracts. Link to the press release is in the podcast description. The other piece of bribery and corruption news this week comes from Ukraine, which has been desperately trying to clean up its act following international pressure to combat corruption in the country. Yeah, so this week, the head of Ukraine's Supreme Court has been uh, has had details released of allegations that he's taken bribes. It's widely reported that Chief Justice Svovalod Naziev, I'm sure that's the worst pronunciation I've ever done of one of these names, but anyway, had been detained in connection with a three million dollar that's two point four million pounds or two point nine million euros bribe. The Chief Justice has not commented on the news. Now to money laundering. The main money laundering news this week comes courtesy of the European Union. First, the General Secretariat of the Council of the European Union has published three information notes containing tables comparing the initial positions of the Council of the EU, the European Commission and the European Parliament on the proposed regulation on anti-money laundering and countering the financing of terrorism, the Sixth Money Laundering Directive, on the same, and the regulation establishing the Anti-Money Laundering Authority, or AMLA. Link to all three documents is in the podcast description. Meanwhile the Council of the EU has announced the adoption of a recast EU WTR2 to make crypto asset transfers traceable. Link to the press release announcing that is also in the podcast description. Now the final story on money laundering this week. although. To be frank, I'm not sure it's a money laundering story, but here goes. It's from the UK and a parliamentary committee, which this week, I think it was Wednesday, the Treasury Select Committee in the UK issued a report urging that crypto be regulated as gambling rather than as a financial product. Now, the reason I thought this was interesting and the reason I'm discussing it in the context of money laundering is that, of course, if it's regarded as gambling, it would fall under the regulatory powers of the Gambling Commission in all likelihood. But anyway, I'll say more about that in a moment. Let me give you a quote from the report summary which has been published this week. Consumer speculation in unbacked crypto assets such as Bitcoin and Ether is one area where we have particular concerns and think the government needs to take a different approach in order better to protect consumers from harm. Unbacked crypto assets have no intrinsic value And their price volatility exposes consumers to the potential for substantial gains or losses while serving no useful social purpose. These characteristics more closely resemble gambling than a financial service, an impression reinforced by the evidence we have received of consumer behaviour. We are concerned that regulating retail trading and investment activity in unbacked crypto assets as a financial service will create a halo effect that leads consumers to believe that this activity is safer than it is, or protected when it is not. We therefore strongly recommend that the government regulates retail trading and investment activity in unbacked crypto assets as gambling rather than as a financial service, consistent with its stated principle of same risk, same regulatory outcome. Now, The thing that I find really interesting about this story is that treating it as gambling would likely bring it under the regulatory control of the Gambling Commission, which has shown itself in recent months to be particularly strong on the regulation not only of money laundering but also of the corporate social responsibility aspect of anybody providing gambling services. Now I've reported on a lot of the regulatory action which has been taken by the Gambling Commission over the last year. In the financial crime weekly podcast so i think this is an interesting way of looking at unbacked crypto it remains to be seen i think whether the government will be persuaded given much of the work that's been undertaken in this area has been completed under the financial conduct authority with a view to keeping such assets under the control of financial regulation although i do take the point from the report about the halo effect What I often say when I'm teaching financial services is that it gives it the badge of authority. If you can get authorization, it gives it the badge of authority that this is probably safe. It's interesting to see how this one plays out. In the meantime, if you want more, the press release, or it's it's a summary of the report really, and the Treasury Select Committee report in full, which is only 28 pages long, it's relatively short, can be found in the podcast description. But I thought that was a really interesting one. Now we'll quickly bounce on to regulatory news, only a little bit of that, and then we'll finish off with the usual roundup of cyber activity. So, the main regulatory news this week is drawn from a speech given by Sarah Pritchard, Executive Director of Markets and Executive Director of International Financial Conduct at the Financial Conduct Authority. The speech, How to Change in Response to Changing Threats, was wide-ranging and covered threats and opportunities posed by technology. How firms should Adapt frontline financial crime controls, as well as progress on sanction systems to aid firms in maintaining sanctions controls so as to see that sanctions are not breached. The link to the relatively short speech can be found in the podcast description. Now we end this week's Financial Crime Weekly podcast with a roundup of the cyber attack news. The new cyber attacks this week focus on the US, with news of a cyberattack on the Department of Transportation. The reports are that over 200,000 current and former personnel of the agency have had their personal information compromised, while transportation safety systems were, it is understood, unaffected, so they clearly weren't the focus. This is the latest in a series of cyberattacks focused on the transportation network, not just in the US, but globally. I've identified a number of them, particularly attacks on ports and those who manage and run ports. In addition, in the US, the Philadelphia Inquirer, which is a newspaper of record, has been hit by a cyber attack which significantly affected the newspaper's distribution. There was no newspaper on Sunday, and online services have been affected. As of Saturday, that's the 20th of May, it's unclear when typical operations will be restored. And finally, the city of Lowell, Massachusetts, was the subject of a cyber attack this week, with a leak of personal information to the dark web. Now, in terms of those cyber-attacks which continue to rumble, more warnings have been issued over the Capita cyber-attack. Remember, it started out as a cyber-event, and then it became a cyber-attack. The warnings relate to pension funds managed through Capita with members of the University superannuation scheme, which is the pension fund for older universities, Marks and & Spencer and Diageo, being warned that no guarantees are being offered about the safety of information, with individuals being put on notice that personal inv- information may have been compromised. And finally, this week, if you're in the mood for a bit of light seminar relief, then the United Kingdom National Cyber Security Center and Google are hosting a joint webinar for small organizations on Wednesday, the 24th of May, 2023. The spiel which accompanies the announcement provides. We're going to explore how to improve your online business security as cyber-related threats continue to rise to aid in the fight against these oftentimes costly and invasive cyber attacks on digital data and essential electronic infrastructure. This training will help you to identify threats, risks, and vulnerabilities. The session covers the following topics first, understanding cybersecurity and possible threats; secondly, equipping you with strategies to train employees in cybersecurity. Thirdly, showing you how to secure devices and systems. And fourthly and finally, enabling you to create a secure customer experience. Estimated to last between 45 minutes and an hour. If you'd like to sign up, then the link is in the podcast description. Well, that is it for episode 59 of the financial crime weekly podcast if you want to do so you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you'll hear from me once again all being well next sunday with the usual roundup of all things financial crime have a great week everyone